This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. And welcome to the MK1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. First of all, uh, Ross, how are you doing? Had a good day? Yeah, it's been one of those days at work, but uh, excited for this opportunity. Yeah, yeah, it was certainly, uh, so it's that often we record, um, well, it's not often I should say, we record two podcasts in two days, but we definitely couldn't turn this opportunity down. Um, and Joe, how about yourself? How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm really good. Yeah, really looking forward to this evening's uh, episode. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. And um, yeah, we have the absolute pleasure of welcoming um, Gaffer of Milton Keynes Dons, uh, Russell Martin, onto the podcast. Uh, so, Russ, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for making the time. Uh, you know, it's a nice surprise. We got a DM from uh, Cal, who's part of the media team at the club. And uh, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to have this opportunity to uh, speak with you. No, honestly, yeah, it's, it's uh, good, to, um, good to be here. I'm sorry I was a little bit late putting the kids to bed, but um, yeah, my, honestly, my pleasure to uh, chat to you guys. I've, Cal's told me a lot about It's fairly new, the podcast, isn't it? Is it this Yeah. Uh, yeah. Has uh, it been all right? Yeah, been about three months so far, and um, yeah, we like to feel that we do a decent job, so yeah. <laughs> love it, yeah, love it. Good, I'm all for it. Brilliant. Um, okay, Joe, do you want to uh, kick us off with the questions? Yeah, I, ha- I had this one down before the fans forum, which I thought was brilliant, by the way. So I really did appreciate that. Um, and I, I was wondering about the, the, the extent to which the club uses data, both in terms of performance and also in terms of recruitment and whether you, you use the data to filter down and then take a close look at players. And also in terms of the performance data, I, I presume that's a large part of reviewing and also previewing upcoming games. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on, Joe. So the um, in terms of recruitment, that's exactly what it's used for because otherwise it just becomes um, a complete minefield of 
um, subjectivity about people's opinions on players. So it's um, there's kind of there's a, there's a few routes in really, and um, Liam's constantly, and I think I think Liam's up for coming on the, the pod at some point to explain it a bit better than I do all the data analytics and stuff. But um, I think at the, right at the very start of the process, at the, at the foundation of it, is um, he has con- continuous data being fed to him about um, players' individual stats, team stats, um, teams in lower leagues at us that. Um, end up with similar stats to us so reflect how we're playing and how players are doing within those teams and stuff like that so it's it's then filtered down and by the time it gets to me Liam's um, and Ben have identified sort of they know exactly what we're looking for now so the recruitment strategy took a little period of time because obviously we were sort of working out where we we're going to get to how quickly we we're going to get there what we lacked in the squad then the summer changed again so um, we've got a really clear strategy of the kind of player we're looking for in each position and, and how they have to mirror the other person in, in that position, if that makes sense. Because ideally, we'd have two in every position competing with yeah. each other. Yeah, so um, it, it's all it all sort of, it's really fluid, but the stats play a hugely important part to give us a bit of a guide, really. Otherwise, it's it's literally, could just there's so many players out there, we just look anywhere and everywhere. So um, they play a really important part at the start of the process. And then towards the end as well, if I'm honest, so if we've got a split opinion in the, in the manager's office with myself, Luke, Dino, Liam, um, Ben, the analyst, if we've got split opinions on it, we kind of go back to the stats again. To And it's never, ever going to be the defining factor, but it plays a massive role because the more you look into that and, and the more importance you place on that, I think the less risk you have of getting it wrong. So we've got a really clear in terms. So the stats can bring us some player that is incredible and it ticks every box then I might go and get three character references for him that tells me he's never going to play for me or MK Doms. So yeah. they play that role, but then at the end, it needs to be the right person and the right fit for the club. And that happened in the summer. We presented with a couple of players who were statistically perfect for us, probably. And then when you look into it a bit deeper, it can't just be that on its own. It has to be personality. It has to be character. It has to be the culture of this club and where we're going. And I'll quite openly say at this minute in time where I'm at and where the club's at, I don't want a Maverick who doesn't buy into the team first. So we could go and get that. But if I'm going to preach to the players how important the culture and the team is and everything has to be the team first, and then I'll bring someone in and go, hold on a minute, lads, well, this guy might win us a few games. It kind of doesn't work. So um, massively important. And then in terms of our stuff as well, rather than using it for the opposition, we kind of use it um, for us and where we're going with our performance. So... We, of course, we look at the opposition, where they've scored their goals from, where they concede their goals, the minutes. So we get given all of that. Um, and then it becomes almost like paralysis by analysis, a really good term I heard um, throughout coaching courses. So we have to filter through what's really important to us. Um, so it might be the stuff of how they're going to come and press us or how they've been doing it, how many passes they, the opposition had before they make a defensive action. But then really the rest is about us and it's about... Uh, how aggressive were we on the ball? Was the ball speed really high? It's a stat I'm really big on. If our ball speed's high, how many passes we make in the minute? How, how many progressive passes we make? How many passes into the final third? Um, and then out of possession, how quickly we win the ball back? How many passes we allow the opposition? Where we allow those passes? So it's kind of for us, really. And then because at the start of the week, we say to the players, what are going to be the key, key points for each game? And But the key points for us, not the opposition. So the focus is is 95% us, probably 5% them. And that's not 
we really respect everyone we play. We make sure we go into detail. The players get everything they need, but I'm not going ever going to work five days a week on stopping an opponent. I want I want us to bring our own identity to the game. So, what are the key factors for that? And the key factors are, are bought by stats. So, for us, the last performance, how we need to improve, and on the opposition stats as well. So, what are the real key things? The four key points that are going to make sure we put in a performance that is going to be us and gives us the best chance of winning the game. So it's a long answer, but um, no, no, it's it's really, yeah, so. yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Th- thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's really good to see. And I, re- I really did appreciate that presentation and it's good to see that. Cause I, I mean, for, for me, w- w- is this something new that you've sort of brought in and championed or has it always sort of been there and you've just ramped it up a bit? Well, I think, I think you just try and use the resource you've got. I think Liam is, um, Liam Sweet and Ben, head of recruitment and the analysis department is um, they're both Liam's fantastic so a real weak spot for mine until I worked with Liam until I understood everything and a bit of a blind spot because I never really had to do it um, is probably the data analysis and, and, and since I've um, worked with him it gives me an unbelievable understanding I'm really process driven I know people get fell up with it about me talking about the process but I am I am I don't, you know... The, I love that word. Yeah, for me, if, if, the, um, if the process is good, more often than not, the, the result will end up being positive over a long period of time. So um, he, he helps that because we have something... I have a really deep feel and opinion about the game. So does Luke, so does Dean. And then that might be completely obliterated by something Liam gives us on the stats. It's like, well, no, you felt like doing the game, but actually it's not reflected in how the game actually panned out. So it's... Um, it's a really important part of the process and it was a bit of a blind spot for me or we care something. And again, I don't put a whole emphasis on that. I'm, I'm never naive enough no, to say, no. well, actually the stats said this, like we should be much higher up in the league according to the expected goals and all that stuff, which is pretty objective, which makes sense to me because of what we create and what we limit other teams to. But at the same time, we can't just go, eventually that's going to turn because the stats are saying it's all right. We need to make sure we find a way that um, we keep improving those stats and actually the balance tips in our favour and, and then the stats reflect, the, the results reflect that. Do you know what I mean? So Definitely, so, definitely. The, the Justice League, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we have to make sure that we keep, we keep trying to improve our own thing, I think. And that's, for me, that's like, I think the Academy are using a really nice term at the minute, which is Kaizen, which is just continuous improvement in every area. And, and we're the same, you know. So um, we're just trying to, as a club, we're just trying to improve everything and anything we possibly can. And, and the data and the analysis plays a big part in that. Brilliant. That's really great to hear. I think uh, Liam's got the next one for you. Yeah, so you obviously mentioned about the whole data analysis side of things. And I was just wondering, um, you know, do you let outside opinions impact, you know, your decision-making and the coach decision-making too much? Or is it quite an internal process for you guys? Um, I don't, yeah, it just depends really, because um, I don't think... When outside, I seek opinion from a lot of people because I think it's really important, especially guys who have been in the game a lot longer than me and people I really respect and trust um, and, and people closest to me and Luke and Dean and all those guys. And so like the, in terms of the team, we'll sit down and discuss, everyone will say what their team will be, everyone will talk, but the final say will be on me. And sometimes yeah. it's, we completely agree. Sometimes it will be... Um, maybe a bit instinctive or a feeling you get or someone's performed brilliantly in training or something, you know, just, or someone suits a different game better. Um, I think the fact we are really process driven and not, not driven by emotion. Like I take real pride on, 
Monday morning, if you came in, I think you, you'd struggle to find out what re the result was. You might see a few of the lads moping about, but um, in terms of what it, how it affects our week, yeah, we're all annoyed if we lose and we're, we're pissed off and we're frustrated, but it doesn't affect what we're going to do, what we're going to work on, how we're going to analyse the game. Um, so I think outside influence, I'll always listen to the media guys when they say, they might say, oh, this is how the fans are feeling at a minute. And I always ask them, so I think it's important. Yeah. Um, but do I ever let it really affect what we're doing? Not really. Um, not really. I, I think it becomes really difficult if you start letting outside influence affect and then, you know, the decision is who who has an opinion, who doesn't, whose opinion is valid, whose is not. So, no, I think we do what we feel is right. Um, but, of course, we're always aware of and conscious of uh, other people's thoughts and, and feelings on things. And sometimes you just have to ignore the noise. You know, I, I worked at a club for a long time um, and went through two or three cycles, really, of transition in terms of culture, in terms of style of play, in terms of, uh, like, performance environment. Um and the last time it was really difficult. So I, I wasn't there for very long under um, Daniel Fark, but the best thing they could have done was um, protect him completely and the players. And, and, you know, the first thing you saw as you walked in the training ground, um, once Stuart Weber had come in, was a sign saying, ignore the noise. Because he, he was, you know, the process was all important and they believed in it 100%. Um, and they never let anything take away. And obviously it's been hugely successful for them. So I think it's something I try and say to the players because they have... You know, they, they interact a lot or they see a lot of what the fans write. They, they speak yeah. to a lot of people, agents. And I spoke to an agent recently about one of our players saying, I, he's not doing that. I'm going, yeah, it's perfect. I don't want him to do that. He might have had to do that at every other club he's been at. But for now, he's doing, that's exactly what we want. And it looks really strange to you. But trust me, he's doing everything we're asking him to do and more. So, um, yeah, I think we have to ignore the noise to an extent. And we have to be aware of people's feelings and thoughts and emotions and um but we have to do what we feel is, is best all the time. Yeah, I think that's the right approach to take. You know, um, you know, we have the same with the podcast. We have a lot of questions come to us about certain topics we want to talk about. And um, we don't really want to talk about certain things, even though you know, we do take them into account as, you know, we want to give our, our true opinions. You know, we're three quite opinionated guys about the team, especially. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's not to the extent of what you're coming from. But, um, yeah, it's the same applies to us, I'd like to think. Yeah, if you've got, if you've got a... Uh... If you've got a real, really clear picture of what you guys want to do with, with the podcast, where you want to go, uh, how it's going to work, um, which is what we've got with the team. It's the same, right? Any business, you guys have got a podcast. Um, I've got a football team that I'm really lucky to manage. But anything, when you have real clarity in what you want to do, it's kind of, um, it does just become a little bit of noise. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So you have to, again, it's filtering what's important to you, what's not, what's valid. And, and some people have really valid opinions. There's no doubt about it. Um, but um, yeah, I think the most important thing is having clarity in what you're doing and how you're going to go about it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ross, you're up next, I believe. You're right, Ross. I hope you're doing well. Um, in terms of, we only see so much through uh, Twitter, obviously due to this COVID. I thought um, I just wanted to get behind the scenes as such. And um, when it comes to the dressing room, what type of characters are actually in there? Um, now, I think it's, a, it's an incredible dressing room. I think we've got a real mix of um, some real, really, real extroverts, some real extroverts and a lot of introverts, a lot more than any other dressing room I've ever been in, which is no problem at all, but you need the balance to be right. Um, so I think last year we, 
and and I love the group. I played with most, well, pretty much all of them last year. I think we had a lot of people who needed to be led um, and needed to be really, um, really convinced about certain things to really go with it. Um, and 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 you can sort of go either way. And they were brilliant because they came with us, and it was fantastic. I think this year what we have is guys like Keezy and Cammy and um, people like that and Colton, Louis Thompson, uh, unfortunately, obviously, he's just got injured, but people who buy into everything we're doing and they're real leaders. So they're really, um, they have opinions. They, they, they lead by example. So when, when, when you're stronger characters, if you like, um, lead and do everything by the letter, do everything right in terms of professionalism, the way they behave, the way they carry themselves and conduct themselves it becomes really easy for the rest of the group. Because it's like, you know, if, if Richard Keogh can come to, and Cammy Jerome can come to, to um, MK Dons and still be as professional, still train every single day, still um, ask questions in the meetings and want to, and, and take criticism as well. If they can do that, then, you know, unfortunately for Dave, Kasumu and Matty, sorry, no, and people like, who are unbelievable by the way and they don't but just using them because they're young for an example but unfortunately I haven't really um, got any get out any any excuse for a let off so and I speak about it all the time it is really demanding we ask a lot of them physically and mentally um, but when you have guys like that the dressing room becomes really easy to manage if I'm honest they end up doing it you know themselves and um, it's just really important to make sure that we have especially the club and what we're trying to build with the identity of the team. It's really important we have those kinds of characters and the young guys are just sponges at the minute. They're just learning off them and they've improved dramatically as pros, as people and as, and as footballers. So I hope that continues. Yeah. Uh, right. Just, it's a nice quick fun one for you now, Russ. You obviously, you get to see the, all the boys in training and, Different from playing on full-size pitches, who would you have in a five-a-side uh, from the current Don squad? And you can include oh, yourself if you want. I've got yeah, yeah, choose. you've got to choose. You oh, can include one. yourself if you want. This will, I'll definitely include myself. This will upset if you... Go on, what, what, would yours be? what would yours be? Fine, I'd have... I think I'd have Nichols in a five-a-side because he, he's pretty hard. Um, I'd have... <laughs> I'd have Louis because... So often you see a pacey winger running up to him on the halfway line and he just stops them dead in their tracks. So I'd have Louis at the back and then it's got to be Gladwin, Fraser and I think Walker. He's, he's quite skillful. So I'd go Walker up top. Like it. Like it. What about you, Liam? I would go with, yeah, Nichols, uh, Louis, um, oh, Gladwin. Uh, you know what? I'd actually go with Harvey. I just like a little nippy oh, player yeah. at five side. Uh, and Walker and Fraser, yeah, that's my five. Ross, have you got one? Adam, when it comes to five aside, I've been pretty much just just go through them. So I, I'll probably go with Fisher in goal, um, Keo, um, and then I don't know. I'd, I think I would want David Kasumu in there for some reason. I don't yeah. know why. I just think he's... Uh, he's he's uh, good for a yellow card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yours is going to be a horrible five-side to play against. Um, I don't know what formation this would be, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Um, and then, obviously, you have, like, Cammy up top. Um, I'd just somehow fit uh, Walker in there as well. Like it. Do, do I... 
Carl, I can't answer this, surely. I'm not upset too many of the boys. <laughs> Go with the staff team that won the Monday Night League, Russ. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay. Can we discuss that? We won the league up at Central and MK? Or, I only played a few times, to be fair, but... Um, Bring out the big oh, guns. Right. Let me have a look. Let me have a look at this. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. No goalkeeper because we're going to have no shots Ooh. again. So I'm going to play. I like it. I'm going to play all the young boys, all the young and quick ones. I'm going to play Matty, Steve, Dave. I'm going to play Johnny Freeman, and I'm going to play. Who else am I going to play? Do I need an experienced one in there? Maybe. No, We've got yourself no. at the back sweeping up. Yeah, I'll play with M4. There you go. And just shout them and make them run around. <laughs> Brilliant. Cheers for that. I believe that Liam's up next with a, a bit more of a serious question. Yeah, back to serious questions, unfortunately. Um, obviously, you had a pretty quick transition from, you know, being a player at the club to, you know, going straight into management. And, yeah, it, um, it was 12 hours, I think. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> can't go much quicker than that. Um, but I was wondering, was there like any partic particular difficulties you had in that quick transition or was it fairly smooth? Um, yeah, it was, it was tough. I think the, the biggest difficulty for me was the, um, it really changes the dynamic straight away. So I tried to be the same with, with pretty much every single player. Um, but straight away, and when they come into my office, it's different for them and I completely yeah. understand it. And I tried to be the same and, and naively I was still expecting it to be the same because I was going out with these guys on a Friday evening for dinner and stuff, you know, before a game. But um, when all of a sudden you're in charge of picking them and, and to dropping them and stuff like that, it does change. There's no doubt about it. So it was it was getting used to that changing dynamic in the relationship with, with some players. Um, and also just, I think the biggest challenge was just really trying to convince people that we could do it in a certain way out of the relic when you're in a relegation zone. Um, so I think, you know, it was well discussed or whatever when I got the job that I was, I've done my coaching badges. I'm just about to finish my pro life. So it's been a plan I've had for a long time. It's come a lot earlier than I thought, but fortunately because of all that um, time spent learning and, and visiting other places and visiting other clubs and playing at certain levels and, uh, on the badges and stuff, I had a really clear picture of what I wanted to do. I think the difficult thing was going to be um, not, not changing for the players because I, I never, I didn't want to do that, and I feel like I haven't really now. I think the, one of the strongest parts of what we have is the relationships I have with the staff and the players, um, but also sort of imposing um, your ideas and. And gaining respect in that way because I had respect in addressing as a player because of what I've done and you know the way I trained and I had an opinion on things etc but gaining respect then as a manager is completely different um, so I had to show it just by being there and, and doing what I wanted had to do and felt I had to do so that was tough I think the hardest part I've had to do as a, as a manager already um, is, is releasing players and releasing players that I knew really well and had such strong relationships with really tough really really tough I don't know if it'll get I don't know if it'll ever be that tough again because I had such a strong relationship with so many of those in the dressing room so I think if you go somewhere else as a, just a manager you don't get quite as connected to someone on that level do you know what I mean whereas you're not getting dressed with them every day in the dressing room you're not sharing those experiences on the pitch so it's probably a little bit different so um releasing some of those players and letting some of those players go in the summer made me made me feel sick because I hadn't seen them for a couple of months even because of COVID and I couldn't, I couldn't do it face to face. So um, that was horrible. It was really, really tough. 
Um, and it was made easier by those guys because they were all, they took it brilliantly. Like, you know, they were so honest. We had good chat with a few of them. Some of them wanted to get off the Zoom call or the phone as quickly as possible. Um, and then I got a text after, you know, to say thank you. And it's been really enjoyable. So they were brilliant. And I'm still in touch with some of them now, um, which is great. You know, Callum Britton rang me this evening just to check in and see how he was doing and see how we're getting on, which is fantastic. And, you know, I want to maintain that with those players. Um, they're just not part of us anymore, unfortunately. But um, that was the toughest bit for me, for sure. Yeah, I suppose you have quite a unique relationship, don't you, compared to other managers. So it's nice to utilise that to your full effect. And, um, you know, I say keep in contact with players that have gone and the ones that are here, you know, really benefiting off that, as we can see on the pitch. Yeah, I hope so. I think I've tried to use it... Um, as, as a real positive, I think, because I am so, uh, I feel so, uh, and it's the same, I feel really connected to them and what we're doing. And also it's the same for the guys like who have, um, and I know some people have said like, it's turning into just signing my mates and teammates and stuff. But when, when I, like for me, it's the best reference you could ever have when you spent so, like, so I saw Colton as a young kid come through, he went on loan, he had a real bad setback and an injury. I saw the way he bounced back from that and his character throughout that and the ability he had. So it was like, I need to bring him in. Do you know what I mean? Because he's going to add yeah. to us. Louis Thompson, the same. Richard Keogh, I played him many, many moons ago. And then we've become, we played against each other a lot throughout our career. And it was like a no-brainer. If we can bring him into to League One to start with and then to MK Dons with how we're going to play, it's just it's, it's just an incredible signing. Like it's, it, it's, so I'm ne I'd never, ever bring someone. And same with Cami Jerome. When he rings me, when he's come back from Turkey and goes, oh, what are you doing? Can I come down and have a look? And it's like, yeah, cool. And then when he sees it, he's like, yeah, I really fancy this. It's like, really? Do you like brilliant if you do, but are you seriously gonna like come? And it's like, yeah, yeah. So it's it's incredible when you look at the players and what they're gonna add. So I feel the same with a group you've already had. I'll try and use the relationship I have with them to the most positive outcome for us and the football club. And I think. I completely understand. And again, it goes back to that ignoring the noise thing. When I signed Richard Keogh, who's been out for a year, Cami Drone has been in the wilderness in Turkey for two years. It's like people ask questions, but it's completely different because these guys are so hungry and so desperate to prove people wrong. And they completely buy into the identity. And I already have a relationship with them. So there's a bit extra on it. Do you know what I mean? So there's a little bit of extra for them because they know me and they, and they want it to work. So, and it's the same with the players that are here it's tapping into that relationship and using it to the fullest effect. Cause I know them guys, I know how they're feeling. I was in the dressing room with them. I know how they work. So it's making sure that that understanding becomes a positive and we use it in a positive way. Yeah, 100%. It's exactly the same with the Sir sign the other day. You know, they played him in Norwich and he's had hundreds and hundreds of games at the top flight of English football and in second level. And, you know, even if it's for, you know, even for a few months, he's going to add so much quality to this squad. And obviously, with the disappointment of losing Louis for a little while, it's, um, you know, it's a nice positive to come off a bit of a negative. Oh, I see. It's, um, yeah, I don't want to jinx or anything, but it's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah we, we, we sat in the office yesterday, me, Luke, Liam and Dean, we were like, we've just signed Andrew Sullivan. He was in the Premier League last season. Yeah. But again, it's, it's brilliant because he showed real interest in what we're doing. He'd heard about the stuff, about how we were playing. He had a few offers early on from the Championship. Um, and, he, and he didn't just want to carry on playing in a championship if it was a style that didn't really suit him and stuff. So it tells me that these guys, have, they've got no ego. They, they've all been in the Premier League. Keith's played internationally, um, although not in the Premier League, but 
they've all been at such a level for so long. The fact they are, they can put their ego to one side because there are players that, that wouldn't, for sure. The fact they can do that and come and still be, for some, you know, I'm, I'm sure at some at first thinking, oh, they're just coming for one last payday or whatever. They really don't need to. They really don't need to. And, and they are so hungry to prove people wrong and they are more desperate than anyone to make it work. And I think you're seeing it now, the effects of Richard, well, now he's fully fit and he's got his legs back after his injury. Yeah. He's been, he's been incredible. And Cammy's the same. And Cammy still, trust me, there's a lot more to come from Cammy physically. Um, he's still got a bit to go. And if you look at him already now, he's scaring the life out of people. So um, if he continues to get fitter, then he's going to be, uh, there's not, I don't think there's a better one in the league for me. So um, yeah, we have to make sure we keep, but these guys are so helpful to the young ones as well. So we, we, yeah, we definitely. have to keep, if all the time, the fact that I was still a player very recently, I have to try and use that to our advantage and to the club's advantage, definitely. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Ross, you're next, I believe. I think everything you've just said there, Russ, is music to our, especially all of our fans' ears, really. But um, change of topic. Um, anything which has really taken you by surprise uh, since beginning of management? Um, yeah, the amount of uh, agents that ring, that call up. I want to change my number, I think. Um, <laughs> no, I just, I just think... <laughs> the. I always said, um, uh, you speak to these manager guys 24-7, it's so full on. And I'm going, no, no, it'll be easy to balance. You do your work. You, but it is. It's, you have to, um, if you're going to be successful, you have to, have, to, have to give it everything. It's a lot. It's really long hours. The players don't see that. I never saw that when I was a player. You know, you don't appreciate if you're going to do it, um, if you're going to do it properly. Uh, and just the amount of communication with everyone. So I'm really conscious, you know, the first person uh, who comes in my office um, the last person who comes in gets the same energy as the first person, which is difficult if you've had 40 separate conversations about and 39 of them you didn't really want during the day and you're waiting for the one that you do want. And by the time it comes, you're completely exhausted and knackered. So I think it's just been the full on, the intensity of it. And also it's been in a really unique period for everyone, right? It's been during COVID and we've had lockdown and all that stuff. So it's um, I think trying to switch off is really difficult. I have one. I have one day a week with my kids at home, and I try it on a Sunday, and I try and put my phone to the side. And but even then, you're thinking about the game, and you're in a lot. So it's really, I have to really concentrate on being present with my with my family for that day. Um, and the rest is twenty four seven. You know, it's uh, how can we make MK Dons better? How can we make this player better? How can we do this better? And it's constantly analysing and auditing what you're doing, um, and just making sure. And Callum, you know, will probably vouch for that. We have so much conversation. We're in there for so long. But, and it's also, it's really important. Some of it is just an hour of us having a bit of banter, but with all the staff in there and having a, having a but it's important because fun, you know, at, at its foundation, at the, at the, you know, at the, right at the very bottom of it always is built on relationships, whether that's between me and the media team, me and the rest of the staff, me and the players, all those guys. And I feel the big cultural shift for us in the time we've been here is every single person in the football department is so desperate for it to work and they'll do anything for each other. Um, they've really got, we've really got each other's backs and that means, you know, as much to me as anything else, really. I guess the uh, win against Sunderland made the Sunday easier with the kids. Well, I think all our lives are a little bit more enjoyable <laughs> and uh, easier at the win on a Saturday. Again, it's difficult because... I'm saying really process driven, but it does piss me off and it does hurt. And if, if it doesn't hurt when we lose in the wrong game, but at the same time, yeah, it's much easier to uh, 
walk around the park or whatever at the minute and um, chill out once I'm having one again, even though I wasn't very happy with the second half, but that's another story. We'll take it. Improvement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On to you, Jay. Um, recently, and I guess especially this weekend, with there not being any Premier League games, there's been seems to be quite a lot of attention to how you're doing things and and like from you know a lot of people who I follow quite a lot of people in on Twitter that are into analytics, and so many of them are praising, but also at the same time, there's been a few questions about the style. And how do you think it's a blessing or a curse that so many people are talking about it? And obviously we've seen that so many teams just don't even try and play themselves. They just sit back and try and stop us. So overall, do you feel it is a blessing or a curse to be praised and talked about in the media? Um, I think it's great that the players are recognised for some of the stuff they're trying to do and what they're doing. I think it, um, I never ever want to come across them as it as like we have... We've got, I've got a real belief in the way the game should be played. So is Luke Williams. And I'm really fortunate we've got in Luke and Dean guys that have worked and, and tried most of the stuff I want to try or have lived for it to so say this is going to be the problem. This is what we might come up against. This might be ahead. So that's incredible for, for me to have at our disposal. Um, but I think everyone's entitled to doing it their own way. This is, as I said to you on Monday in the Fans Forum, this is my version of the MK way that everyone talks about. This is my ideal way of playing football, which is controlling the game and dominating the ball and keeping the opposition as far away from our goal as possible with the ball and trying to be aggressive and intense and winning the ball back really quickly. Um, and I, I get asked a lot, you know, by people in the game and, and people I really respect and, and trust their opinions. If it's, you know, is it too much? Do you have to be more pragmatic and, it's only League One and all that stuff. And I find it really, I think it's a bit, it's, it can be a bit insulting to the players. I think they can do it. I just think they need belief to do it. They show they can do it week in, week out. They've been incredible with it. I'm immensely proud of them for that. The way that you guys have connected and bought into it, because you see the, it's not there yet. We're not the finished article and it's going to take a while for us to get there. But you hopefully you see I want you guys to have an identity to be proud of as well. So when you're going away from home, that people are talking about your team and saying, cool, you know, you're, you're, you're a decent side. And I think you'd be getting that this year away from home. Unfortunately, not here. But um, yeah, I think people see the game really differently. There are managers who will hate the way we play. There are people who have been in the game for a long time who, who will call it really naive and, and hate it. There'll be people who love it because it's maybe a little bit different to some of the stuff they've seen before. But um, is it, I think... The boys have earned a lot of respect from opposition is what I would say in the way that they've done things. And you can see that in the way that some of the teams have set up against us. Um, and we're going to come up against really different challenges now and we're going to have to keep finding solutions. And that's why we have to keep working on us and what we can't ever settle and say, right, this is going to be enough. We have to keep trying to uh, improve everything we do in and out position. Um, so I think it's maybe it's, it's nice for the players to be recognised. It's nice that people recognise the amount of hard work that goes into it. But at the same time, I never ever want the players to get carried away with some of this, uh, the stats and all that stuff because ultimately the thing that matters the most to you guys and matters to us is winning games and and that is you know that's the most important thing I get that but in terms of the process and if you look at everything from where we were a year ago to now we have improved greatly in every department in every department so um, we have to make sure we keep going on that traje trajectory and then hopefully people will will talk about the team. 
after some success. That's the, you know, that's the aim and that's the hope. And um, but what I would say is now teams give us a lot more respect than they gave us a year ago in the way they set up and approach the game. Um, and that's, I say to the guys, that's a compliment to them. And now we have to find a way around that. And it's not going to be easy. Um, but again, we've, we've sort of found a solution to every problem we've faced so far and we have to continue to do that. Yeah, I think, as you said there, it's team, teams are sort of taking notice now. And it's uh, just quite stark just remembering the Portsmouth game at home last season where they came at us and we absolutely tore them a new one on the counter-attack. And then the difference that, you know, they're, they're subbing on a defender in the second half to just hold out for a 2-1 win at home. And I, I think it's a real shame, actually, because if there was 20,000 Portsmouth fans there, no, no way on earth can he do that. No, I completely agree. And I think... I think their manager acknowledged that at the end as well. I think it's actually, it's probably hindered us a little bit away from home because we've gone to most places apart from Sunderland and dominated. And if you look at that Portsmouth one in particular, I still struggle to understand that we haven't got something from the game. Um, but I think you're right. I think we've, if we went and performed like that with a crowd there, I think the anxiety that would set in with their players, the ex expectation of their fans, um, to, to well, they, they, they would expect them to, you know, to beat MK Dons and do it fairly comfortably if you don't have any knowledge of what's going on or the context of the game. Um, so I think it would it would help us for sure because teams would have to open up a little bit more. Um, but again, you know, you could say it was it was what could work from them. They'd worked on playing against us. They worked on doing certain things, and on the day it worked. It was uh, maybe fortunate it worked, but it worked. So um, I went away from that one really frustrated. And there's been a few like that this year. Oxford's the same, you know. If if you look at Carl, we've done an unbelievable job here and um, he's been a great manager. He is a great manager at League One level. He acknowledged that they set up completely differently to play us, completely differently to anything else. I think it's the least passes they've ever had under them, under him, you know, since he's been there and been in charge. So um, I said to the players, it is a sign of, it's a compliment to them, but we have to make sure that if we're changing the way the team sets up or the way they play for, for the game they come against us, then um, we need to make sure they they pay for that, you know, we need to make sure it's it's uh, it's worthwhile for us. And I think results after teams have played us, on the whole, teams have had a poor result the game after their players because they've had to work so hard against us. And players speak to other players against the opposition, etc. And the other opposition players go, not had to work that hard for a long time in a game. So we are working teams, we make them work hard, but ultimately we have to make sure it ends in um, results for us. Yeah, brilliant. I, I just really want to mention this statistic I saw recently. Um, I was I, I mentioned it on the the pod that's coming out tomorrow. But um, I believe in um in we've had twelve games and we've gone behind in nine of them, yeah. and I think we scored equalisers in it's either six or seven of them. And yet every single I think we've gone ahead three times and every single time we stayed ahead. Yeah. So we, we we mentioned on the podcast just the first goal is so important for just how we want to play football. So important, especially when um. Teams are going to sit back and, and try and defend and protect. If they've got something to hang on to, oh, it becomes so valuable to them, so precious. If we score first and they have to come out a little bit, as you saw, Gillingham, Wigan, you know, it's game on for us and we should have scored more goals in both of those games. So the first goal is really important. It was We gave away some really sloppy goals. Even, you know, you look at the Sunderland one, it's a quick free kick. We switch off a little bit. But what I would say is I think... We've given ourselves much more of a chance in that area now. We've set up a little bit differently. We've learned from a few things. And um, I think we look really solid as a team now. I think it, we are very hard to create clear-cut chances against. 
um, and teams have to work very hard to to try and score, if you, especially at home. If you look at the amount of shots we've actually conceded on target at home, it's been, lowest in the league or something, isn't it? Yeah, it's been really low. So we have to make sure we continue that. And as again, we just have to make sure that that stats like that are backed up. We because you're right. If we score first, then I think we become really difficult to play against. But the thing I love about the players is that resilience. If we've gone one down, they've shown so much character on numerous occasions. Exactly, yeah. If you look at the Wimbledon game, you know, we score after 30 seconds with an action we work on in training all week. And then the linesman who is, I don't know what he's doing, he's had a few too many the night before or something. I'll probably get in trouble for that, Cal, but um, <laughs> he flags, he flags uh, Cammy offside and uh, he's not offside, it's a goal. So it's one nil after 30 seconds if that happens, you know. So, um Things change a little bit. So, yeah, we're working on it and we need to make sure it doesn't happen. And we need to make sure if we get the first goal, we, we just keep going and keep... And, you know, even when we went in front of Sunderland, it was a different kind of win, but um, we still created the best chance in the game with Scotty Fraser. So uh, yeah. we have to make sure we continue to, to work on things and, and keep improving. Brilliant. Yeah, just um, yeah. just quickly, Russ. Um, sorry, Joe. Um I got a question regarding as has what sort of coaches inspire that type of play style you have introduced at the club? Is there anyone in particular that you'd say that really influenced that type of play style in particular? Um, yeah, well, there's, obviously there's managers I've played under um, that have had, had an influence on how I do things, how we do things day to day. Some really good stuff, some stuff I really didn't like, so stuff you sort of think I'm not going to do when I become a manager. In terms of like the purest football I love to watch and enjoy watching, I think there's... There's one guy who's one of the greatest there's ever been, and that's Pep Guardiola. There's no doubt about it. Um, I'm not saying we're going to watch, we're going to be like him, his teams, and yeah. we're going to play like Man City or Barcelona. But if if you're asking me who is the one I most enjoy watching, for me, it's the purest type of football. It's um, he's uh, yeah, I think I think I love watching. It. It's it's genius, genius. So um, yeah, we can listen. If you have to try and. I don't think we emulate people, but you have to try and steal bits and, and things and um, from other people. And uh, yeah, I think for me, he's, like, I love you know Liverpool, great. Klopp's amazing, but for me, in terms of style and uh, for footballing philosophy and stuff, it would be it would be that man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ross, Ross is up next. Yeah, yes. Do you guys disagree with that? I see Joe sort of um, made. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm a clock man. I'm a clock okay. man. I, I love Bielsa as well. I love Bielsa as well. Yeah, Bielsa's amazing. He's influenced Guardiola a lot. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're, oh, they're both. It's just I think the, the City Leeds game this season was just absolutely mental. I, I thought it was a brilliant game of football. What was what's what's it about clock? Um, I, I just think that so often people say Liverpool always win without playing well. And I think that the ability that they've got is is just the control. Because so often you'll see they'll go one or two nil up and they just won't have many shots from that that period in the game. They just kill the game. Like the Champions League final, people said it was an awful game. But at the end of the day, they didn't ever look like they were going to lose it. And yeah. I think that's such an underrated skill. Yeah, me and Joe are big Mo Salah fans. You know, we really feel yeah. underappreciated. Um and a lot of people seem to be Marnie's better than Salah, and uh, we don't agree pretty much. Is the answer uh -huh. really that. <laughs> they're both they're both bloody good. Trust me. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no yeah, doubt yeah. about that. Thank you at this level. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, go on, um, Ross. Going on, go on my question, manager aside, um, what would you be if you weren't a footballer? Good question. Um, 
Well, before I was going to, um, before I went on trial at Wickham many moons ago, I was going to America on a scholarship uh, and I was going to study um, journalism and, and politics. I'm really into uh, politics. Will I be a politician? Probably not. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think I would have stayed in sport. I would have been a coach. There's no doubt about it. I was coaching kids already at then. I'd got my level two really early. I loved it. Um, so I would have stayed involved in football as much as possible. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know where I would have ended up, but I would have stayed involved in sport in some way um, and, and tried to, uh, yeah, I think just tried to impact people in, in some way and, you know, help change change uh, people's lives positively in, in some sort of manner, I think, without being too cheesy. But that's, that, that would have been, that would have been the... Uh, that would have been the aim, I think, to go into someone down that route. They can't get rid of you out of sport then. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, Joe, you're on the next one. Well, I think Liam briefly touched on it, but um, I was if you if you had to add a coach, just a pure coach, to your backroom staff, who who would it be? I mean, is there any in the EFL particularly that that you really just like the look of and you think that could really, you know, unrealistic or not, could add something to to this current team? Um, well, I look at, if you if you're looking through the EFL and and the, the Premier League, I, I love what Graham Potter's doing at Brighton. I think it's, oh, it's okay. they've, they've gone for a real transition in terms of style, and and that's taking time. But I, I think he's brilliant. I, you know all the stuff he's done in Sweden, and then over here, I, I really like him. I really like him. And then um, I also really like Steve Cooper at Swansea. I really like what he's doing with the team. So you know, I often watch games and watch bits and. Um, Y scout uh, of other teams and how they're doing similar teams who have a similar sort of you know philosophy on on uh, as as what we do in terms of possession and stuff like that. Um, you know, obviously I've watched Norwich a lot over the last few years, the stuff that they do. Um, so I think yeah, I just try and take. There's not one. Listen, if I could bring Pep Guardiola, I'd just sit down in the office and let him do everything. <laughs> I think you'd all be happy. But um, yeah, I think I, you just try and take bits. Um, I have in my mind. A couple of guys who I would um, love to uh, bring in, but they're already in jobs, other jobs in the EFL. So yeah. I can't really say their names. But no, no, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, listen, it's Mark, and I'm sure you know the the club will be the same in terms of if they ever want to get rid of me or um, we ever we ever leave. Then I'm sure they've got an idea of who you know. It's you have to succession plan, and I'm the same. I want to improve the club all the time. If I ever got an opportunity to bring someone in that I feel could really benefit us and the culture, then. Um, I will do it. We, you know, unfortunately, we lost Ryan Harley last this season with the, you know, the finance and everything else. It just became uh, really difficult. But he was, he wasn't a coach per se last year. But in terms of the individual stuff he'd done with a lot of the young players, was incredible. And I think that's a role that's going to really grow in football. That individual development coach at first team level, because you get in football, you get to like 17, 18, you get a pro contract, you train the first team every day, and it's like, yeah, these guys are right now, they're first team players. But actually. They yeah. still need that development. They need that extra stuff because they aren't there yet. They're not polished. You know, if I look at the work he'd done with David Kasumu last year, the work he'd done with Matty Sorinola, all of that, you're, you're seeing the benefits of that now. You know, we're seeing, we're reaping the benefits of that. And it's really unfortunate we couldn't we couldn't keep him, but I'd love him involved again at some point um, because of the, the way he deals with the younger players and the individual stuff. And and also, again, he's, he, um, he's great for me because he tells me to shut up and he tells me he hates things and he tells me that, uh, when things are good so um, yeah we are missing him as well this year and it's, we've, everyone has to adapt you know we have to get through but at some point 
he played a really important role for us last year. And at some point, if we had the chance to to bring Ryan back into the fold again, that would be great. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And I, I just, just uh, this is my final question. I think after the past few weeks and starts of the season, do you have you had many managers begging you to take players on loan next season? <laughs> That's interesting. We've had. Um, I think they obviously the 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 Premier League clubs look into stats and data for where they want to send uh, younger players, and we've had. Um, yeah, I think especially the clubs who have already sent players to us, they've looked at it and uh, and, and you know maybe would be keen on on others. But again, it's really it's really difficult that one. We've had we've had contact from other clubs who are really keen on sending us players, but they have to be the best ones. You know what I mean? They have to be the ones that we yeah. really, really, really want. We can't do anyone a favour. We can't. And um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're not in a position to. But if uh, I think with what we're doing, it gives us a really good chance of getting the best players. I think that's. I think the whole point of what we're trying to do is something that will bring success and, and it will be sustainable and also it will really improve players. I think you can look at teams who have been really successful and they don't really sell any players. The players don't move on. Um, and it's be probably because other people look at them and go, I'm not sure if they fit into any other style. Do you know what I mean? They, they, they play a certain way, they're great at it, but I'm not sure. Whereas I think our players show or are starting to show, especially the younger guys, that they can... They can mix it physically. They can. They're really athletic. They can press hard. They can come with the intensity, but they also can start really showing the composure they need on the ball, the aggression with the ball, the being able to break lines with the ball, driving with the, all the technical stuff they're going to need as well. So um, that's why we have to continue doing it. But yeah, I think we will reap the benefits, whether it's January or whether it's a bit further on, of of playing a certain way and and, and having players available for us. Well, I hope so. Sure. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I, I, I'd imagine it'd be that way as well. I think uh, Liam's just going to round us off for our questions now. Yeah, um, someone's ending on a positive note. Um, obviously, when, when a player joins, obviously you join as a player first at the club. I like to do a bit of research about them. And uh, I came across you, like, obviously you're the founder of the Russell Martin Foundation. And I feel like it's something that doesn't really get talked about too much. And obviously, you know, as a manager, maybe you don't, maybe don't bring it up in club uh, communications. But... I feel like you talked about making wanting to make an impact, I suppose, um, you know, as a person. And I feel like you do that quite well in that way. I don't know if you want to elaborate a bit on that and make the listeners aware of it. Yeah, so um, it, I set it up as an academy initially um, with my with my mate Sergio Torres, who uh, was retiring from professional football. And I wanted, he, he didn't want to, he'd been stuck in an office for two years and hated it. And it was horrible seeing my mate sort of be like that and, and not really enjoy. he didn't hate it he liked the people he's working with but it just wasn't for him long term so we were like yeah let's just set up a football academy see how it goes um, it started off with 12 kids in a summer camp um, and then it was got to a point where got some other great people um, on guys uh, called Gary and, and Donna um, who came from another football academy and brought a lot of kids with them etc so they saw the opportunities might be able to provide and then it just grew arms and legs really and then it was um I never ever wanted to earn any money from it. So we, we, we turned it into a charity when we realised the impact we could have, um, not only on the kids or the impact we were having, but there was other areas I was really keen on going into. So like the the um, the areas of most deprivation down here that don't really, kids don't really get opportunities, the people that schools have kind of given up on. So we've got two, now we've got two really um, strong arms of the charity, if you like, which is the education side. Uh, and the football. So the football academy uh, runs as part of the charity. Within that, we've got um, walking football, we've got disabled football, 
Um, we've got every ability level going from beginners at four years old all the way through to 18s in our, in our education programme. Um, and out of that, we, we've already produced, you know, I think it's 12 players signed at pro clubs who have been who have missed out or Brighton haven't quite picked up and they've come to us for a year and then we've managed to put them in. One really recently at under nines, which is great. because it was, it was about sort of bridging that gap because down here they're geographically challenged a little bit. If you're not um, good enough for Brighton, then there's not really much for you. So it's kind of bridging that gap for those guys, but also just all inclusive really. But the girls football is, is really big now. It's really grown, which I was really keen on doing. And, I'm really proud of the whole team. It's, you know, we, we see over, we've got over 600 members. We see over a thousand kids a week in all the schools we're in. Um, we have a education um, project, the Extra Time Project, which is uh, alternative provision for kids who are really struggling with mainstream school. Um, they come to us for a certain period of time. We try and teach them life skills through football, through sport, through guest speakers. They do their key skills with us and then we try and integrate them, reintegrate them back into school after a certain period of time, which has been unbelievably successful. And that's because of that success, that's growing and that's spreading now as well. So I'm incredibly proud of it. I have a full time job at MK, so I'm not I don't have a day to day run of it. but I'm in constant contact um, with all the guys that run it. I'm incredibly proud of them. They're all my friends. The chief exec is my old um, Brighton schools football coach, which is incredible. It's come full circle and it was it was my way of, in the, without sounding really cliche and cheesy, my way of giving back to some of the people that played a really important part of my life and, and to the area I was from um, and, and to the people. I think it was something that I would have loved as a kid. I think that was the whole point of it. And it's the same now I'm a manager. I try and manage a team that I would love to play in. So it's, you know, you just get the opportunity to do it. So, yeah, I'm really proud of the foundation. It continues to grow from strength to strength. We've got a, a 3G pitch now as well. It gets used a lot for us. And for the rest of the community and some grassroots teams. So, um, yeah, incredibly proud of it. And I'm sure one day, I don't really get time to sit back and look at anything and reflect on anything, but I'm sure one day I'll, I'll understand how many people it's impacted. I get, you know, I walk to take my kids to school one day a week, which is not enough, but, you know, that's how it is at the minute with, with um, the job. So, uh, but when I do, you know, the amount of parents that come up and say, ah, oh, so-and-so has been to... Um, RMA, you know, the Russ Martin Academy on Saturday morning, they loved it. First one, they, they felt so welcome, they loved it. Or so-and-so's getting, been having a tough time at school, can you go and speak to them? And could you get one of the coaches to speak to them? So, yeah, it makes me really, really proud. I could go on for it for out, about it for hours, I don't want to bore you all, but um, yeah, it's really important to, to me and the people involved. And, uh, you know, my little boy loves, loves going to the sessions. My, my youngest is going to start soon, which is good luck to the coaches. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, they love it, and I'm really proud of it. Yeah, you should be proud of it, and um, yeah, it's a great initiative. And if you want to read more about it, I'll um, I'll leave the link to the description, the podcast description, mm -hmm. so you can uh, have a read and uh, understand it a bit more because it's a great movement. And I, that's why I brought it up because I wanted to no, hear it from you. Yeah. Uh, no, sure, I wanted to hear it from you, and um, yeah, I'm glad I did. So yeah, that concludes the uh, the podcast. Uh, thank you very much, Russell, for making the time to uh, come on. Cal, they seem nice. What you said was out of order. Yeah, <laughs> ignore me. <laughs> no but yeah thank you very much for coming on obviously um you know cal was one who's organized it all and um, we really appreciate it from his side and um you know it's great to ask get some questions to you and you know get your response back and i'm sure our listeners will appreciate it a lot and who knows maybe clubs from people from other clubs will listen to the pod and uh take something from it i hope so i'm as i said i'm really grateful you've had me on and i'm i'm so uh 
humbled and grateful for all of your support. It's been incredible. And I know it's not been easy. I know it's been a tough time for the whole club, but I hope, I hope we can give you a team to be proud of again. I hope we can continue to improve and I really believe we will. Um, so thank you for your patience and for your, for your support. Um, it, it doesn't go amiss. Uh, so yeah, I'm really grateful for that. And thanks for having me on. It's been, it's been good. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, the past three or four seasons have been a bit difficult, but it's nice to see, you know, with yourself at the helm that the club is going back in the right direction and hopefully at the leagues again, eh? I hope so. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the time. Apologies yeah. for this start bedroom, by the way. We've just done a house up. This is, this is turning into my office, so there's nothing here at the minute. But <laughs> next time we beat the end of the season, there might be. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for listening to MK1 Podcast. Um, as usual, if you could rate, review and subscribe, that would mean a lot. You know, it gives us um, a lot of feedback on what we do well and what we don't and uh, how we can improve in the future. So, yeah, that's it for this episode. And come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.